0: Father, through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He hath done. Be seated. Good morning. It's so good to see you this morning. If you're a guest here, we're so thankful for that. I really don't know who Rita Fuentes is, but I found a letter that was written to her by a grandson, and I want to share that with you this morning. It goes like this. It says, "Dear Nana and Pop, Pop." Then he goes on and writes. He says, "I was reading a book when, uh, written by one of my favorite poets, Rod McEwen, and all of a sudden the phone rang. Immediately I scanned my desktop for some kind of bookmark and settled on a wallet-sized photo of YouTube from 1983. After finishing my phone conversation, I opened the book and saw those two familiar faces saving my place, and then it occurred to me that the two of you have been saving a place for me for a long time now. So basically, in celebration of Grandparents' Day, I decided to let you know that I have a special place saved in my heart for both of you. You may be sitting with your grandchildren today. You may have been invited today. And we want you to know that your grandchildren have a special place saved in their heart for you. And we have a special place saved for you today. We are so thankful you've chosen to be here with us if you are a grandparent. Our goal is to worship the Heavenly Father today, but we also want to give honor to whom honor is due. And so we are so thankful that you have chosen to be with us here at Midway today, as you know. In just a little while, we'll be having a meal together, and then we'll be having a one o'clock service today. So we hope you'll stay for, for all of those things. But. I want you to think with me this morning about how grandparents have saved a place for their grandchildren. It's not just uh, Rita Fuentes' his grandson and uh, the fact that she and her husband, his grandfather, had saved a place for him, but grandparents have been saving a place for grandchildren for a long, long time. I want you to pay attention to a couple of verses with me this morning, and we'll explore them, hopefully fairly deeply, to see that we can understand and know what God wants us to learn from these things. The first one is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, at verse 22. That was a part of our scripture reading this morning, Proverbs, chapter 13, verse number 22. In verse number 22, the Bible says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but what happens to the, to the wealth of a wicked man, an evil person? It's left to the righteous. I want us to focus on the first part, though. The Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren. That's children's children to his grandchildren. If I ask you this morning, how is it that a grandparent leaves an inheritance to a grandchild, or what it was that they left, you'd probably answer number one. I think about, you know, giving an inheritance of money, or some kind of land, property, or some other valuable thing. And you would be correct because in this passage, in what we're looking at here, all of those kinds of things, good, uh, earthly goods, are, are discussed in different and various verses in that same chapter of the Proverbs. And so we can think about leaving earthly goods, but there's more that we can leave. And you say, Preacher, I'm already ahead of you. I know this morning you're going to say, Well, we can leave our children a spiritual heritage, and you'd be right. You need to leave a spiritual heritage to your children and to your grandchildren to let them see what it means to live as a Christian, to serve the true and the living God. But this morning, I want to go one step further. I want us to look at it a little bit deeper and try to see some things from the Word of God. That we can understand about grandparents and grandchildren and them leaving an inheritance to them, and sort of how it's put in the letter how it is that grandparents have been saving, can save a place for their grandchildren. Now, thinking about that, I want you to go to another verse with me, this time in the New Testament, book of Ephesians, chapter number six. And as we think about that, I want you to understand that that in the Proverbs, in the context of Proverbs, there is wisdom and prudence that is being spoken about. But but what does that wisdom and prudence do? What what does it lead to? Now, to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. In the context of Proverbs 13, there's wisdom and there's prudence that's being spoken about. And grandparents are to leave an, an heirloom called wisdom. But, but what does that have to do with leaving other things? In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, we want to notice this morning that the Bible says that to honor father and mother is the first commandment with a promise. What does he mean by that? What is Paul talking about when he says that that there is a promise that has been made? And the promise is mentioned in verse number 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. If I think about that in context of what is said there and, and thinking about it just from looking at it from that verse, I, I think about, you know, the, the fact that if children will obey their parents and honor their parents, they can live a long time on the earth. Matter of fact, if you go to the book of uh, the, that passage in the New King James or the King James Version, the, the, the passage is translated that they will live long on the earth. But, but there's more to it than that. There's something else that is there. The first thought may be to live a long time on this earth, but that's not the original intent. You see, the commandment was given in the Ten Commandments, this idea of honoring your father and your mother. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 12. The Bible says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You see, the promise was made to the children of Israel, that they would be able to live long in the land of promise, the one that had been promised to Abraham and to his descendants. And if they honored their father and their mother, then they would be able to abide in that land for a long, long time. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, beginning at verse 15 and going through verse 20, if you have your Bible, you may want to turn there. We want to do a little reading together. It won't be on the screen this morning. But in Deuteronomy, chapter 30, beginning at verse 15, the Bible says, See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, by keeping His commandments and His statutes, His rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away from uh, worship to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today, that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life. Now, watch this next part that you and your offspring may live loving the lord your god obeying his voice and holding fast to him for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the lord swore to your fathers to abraham to isaac to jacob to give to them god says here are the commandments that i have given you they'd been read to them the people knew what had been read to them and and now as it had been presented before them, they had to make a choice. God is encouraging them to choose life. To choose life would be to obey the commandments that He had given them. To choose death would be to disobey the things that God had written for them to do. But He says you have to make the choice. If you choose life, then it's going to be good for you. If you choose life, you'll get to stay in the land. If you choose life, not only will it be good for you and you get to stay in the land, but it will also be good for your offspring. That will be your children. That will be your grandchildren. Those who come after you. And he says specifically in the reading that we just did that they would get to stay a long time in the land of promise, as we know it, in in Canaan as it was called back then, in, in the place where God had given the children of Israel. But it's all contingent upon them doing what's good and what's right. Now, there's another passage in the Old Testament that I want us to look at. And I promise you we're going to tie tie all of this together here in just a moment. But I want you to look in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 4, verse number 9. In Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse number 9, Moses writes these words. He says, only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known. Let's stop right there for a moment. Before we can make them known, before the children of Israel could make them known, they had to remember them. They had to make application of them into their lives. That's the way we sometimes pray, isn't it? They had to be doing, obeying what God said. They were to take diligent survey of their own life of themselves and then they were to make them know the things that they had seen that God had done, bringing them out of the land of Egypt and helping them to cross over the Jordan and actually taking the the land itself. Things such as the walls of Jericho falling down flat, all of the other things that were miraculous in nature, all of the things that God had revealed to them. And they were to compare their lives with what God said for them to do. They, they were take, take, taking diligent survey of their own soul, remembering what God had done and said, and they were to make them known, but to who? That verse continues on, Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. Make them known to your children and. Make them known to your children and your children's children. You see, grandparents were to teach grandchildren what God had done when they themselves were living in accordance with the word that God had given them, they were to pass on the words, the knowledge that they had, not just to the first generation, not just to the ones who grew up in their household, but to their grandchildren as well. If you go back in Deuteronomy chapter 4 to verse number 1, Moses wrote, said, Now, Israel, listen to the statutes, the rules that I'm teaching you, and do them that you may live. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. You see, they were to take the words that God had given them, and they were to follow them strictly. They were to abide by what God said they were to do. They, they had the message that God himself had written on stone with his own finger. And now they were to, they were to hold on to that and all of the things that God had said. And so in doing that, it would be well with them. But as you continue on from verse number 1 and you follow all of the things there, God had demanded that the children of Israel, Israel obey His statutes, His rules, His commandments. All of those are mentioned in the next few verses. But they were also to teach them to their children and their grandchildren. You see, the end result was that if parents obeyed God themselves and then taught their children to do the same, and furthermore they continued in their latter years to teach even their grandchildren to do the same, then they would continue to possess the promised land. You see, by reading the Old Testament, we know that they failed miserably, but what if? What if they had done that? One thing certain, through their interaction with their grandchildren, God intended for the grandparents to have a major role in the legacy of the nation. If they had continued that, they would have continued to be able to live in the land rather than going into Assyrian captivity so many years later because of the fact that they had begun following after other gods. They would have continued to live in the land rather than going into Babylonian captivity for 70 years because they had turned their back on God. You see, the legacy of the nation lay in the hands of the people themselves who were to obey what God had commanded, who were to know, remember what God had done, and people who had passed it on in their families from father to son and to grandson you see god tied it all together he he said it's not just the parents who have a responsibility to teach their children about god and spiritual things it's grandparents as well and it's so deep in the old testament that their nation their very homeland depended on it. You know grandparenting has changed through the years hasn't it? In the past 50 or so years it it has turned in a different direction. I can remember growing up that I lived in close proximity to my grandparents. My Grandfather on my mother's side, he had passed away before even his youngest daughter was born, just a a few months before she was born, and so I never knew him. He died 10 years before I was ever born. But the rest of the the family, my my, uh, dad's mother and dad, my great-grandparents on that side, my grandmother on my mother's side, and my great-grandmother on my mother's side, all of them... I had the opportunity to know, and we lived within just a few minutes of them. All of my aunts and my uncles, you know, we were not far removed from each other. I grew up with my cousins, and we had, you know, we we played together as children. We we were just there. We were a, a close family, and I remember how terrible it was when one of my cousins decided that she was going to get married. She got married, and... A while after that, decided that they were going to move to Florida. You know, that was just a, a terrible thing. Marlene and I, we moved to Montgomery to go to school. And so that was a hard thing to do as well. We were the, some of the first ones to leave that close proximity of all of that family group. While we were in Montgomery, both of our children were born. From Montgomery, we moved even farther south in Alabama down to a little place called Appleton, just north of Bruton. From there, we moved to Atwood, Tennessee. You know what? My children didn't have the same influence from their grandparents that I had from mine. Now, I say all that to say this. You know, there are a lot of grandparents who are just like that, who have grandchildren living a long distance away. As a matter of fact, that has become the norm in our nation to a great degree in the past 50 or so years. And it's hard for a grandparent living four or five hours away from your grandchildren, not getting to see them as often as you like, not getting to have that daily influence on them as much as you want, it, it's hard. But like Marlene and I, many couples, young couples, move away, and modern society has encouraged that. And a short telephone call has somehow replaced the grandparent's warm visit. You know, it's changed even in our, in our time where you can at least... Uh, FaceTime or call on Facebook and see them face to face, but it's still not the same. You know what? Today, young children, they, they may talk excitedly about going to see grandma and grandpa during the holidays, and that's the only time they get to go. Grandparenting has changed through the past several years. As a result of that, you know, more and more parents, they leave their children in the care of strangers, daycare centers and other places, and I'm not saying that they're altogether bad, but it's not like having that good godly influence of grandparents who are nearby. Broken homes have made it difficult for grandparents to fill the role of grandparents hasn't it? Uh, it's divided the attention of the children between even more. You see, a grandparent's influence is at its greatest during the children's most receptive years. What do you mean by that? You know, when those little boys and those little girls, when, when, when they are that tall, they look up to grandma and grandpa. Mimi and papa whatever you want to call them. And they somehow instinctively know who you are. I don't know how God placed that within folks, but, but they do. But what has happened through the years is because of the close proximity of the family being and disrupted in many cases, and the breakup of the home... And all of these things, we've, we've lost the influence in a lot of cases, that daily influence that grandparents can have on grandchildren. Now may I just ask you a question? I'm not attributing everything to this one thing. But since the time that has begun happening to a great degree, has our nation improved? Or has it degraded? Is our nation better today in 2017 than it was 50 years ago? Morally? Spiritually? I see some of you shaking your head. And you'd be right. Are we in danger of losing our nation because we've lost sight of the importance of godly grandparents? Folks, there's no doubt in my mind that grandparents can have an impact on future generations in the book of 2nd Kings chapter 17 at verse 41 the Bible says so these nations feared the Lord and also served their carved images their children did likewise and their children's children as their fathers did so they do to this day What happens when grandparents aren't what they need to be? What happens when our ungodly nation, what if we brought grandparents and grandchildren back together today in the condition that our nation is in? Would it be for the better or for the worse? You see, it's it possible that it can be for the worse. was in the book of Second Kings chapter 17 at verse number 41. They followed the wrong direction. But it doesn't have to be. Second Timothy chapter 1 at verse 5, Paul wrote and says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice. And I'm certain, dwells in you as well. They can go the wrong direction, but they don't have to. It wasn't that way with Timothy. You see, the good or the evil of generations to come is greatly determined by grandparents. One thing that I do want to mention before we close this lesson, I I briefly hit on the fact that, that families have been disrupted and Children haven't had the opportunity, in a lot of cases, to, to have interaction like they did in, in, in generations gone before. But according to a Pew Research Center report, a record 60.6 million Americans, or about 19% of the population of the United States, lived in multi-generational family households in 2014. That's more than double the number of back in 1980, even. What, are you, what is that suggesting? Well, since the industrial age began, families began separating, and it's been a long trend, not just 50 years, but the trend seems to be that families are coming closer together once again. What remains to be determined is what we were discussing just a moment ago. What direction will that take? You see, back in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, the Bible said if grandparents would keep their soul diligently, you see, that's that generation that learned God's Word. If they would keep their soul diligently, then they would be able to pass that on not just to their children, but also to their grandchildren. If grandparents today, if they kept their soul diligently, would it be possible for us to turn our own nation around before it's too late? I can't answer that question for you this morning, but I know one thing unless we do have godly grandparents influencing their children and grandchildren to do what's good and what's right, we are definitely in danger of losing. And it's not just a nation. It's also an eternal soul. First our own, then that of our family. There's not a single one here in our audience today who wants to do that. And so as the writer Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 4, are you searching your soul this very morning? Are you in Christ? Have you been baptized to have the blood of Jesus wash your sins away? Maybe you... Know that you need to do that, want to do that today, we're here for you. Maybe you you want to learn more about that, to see what God's Word has to say about it. We'd love to study with you. Maybe you've been buried with Christ, baptized, but you haven't been living your life with your soul in mind. And you know this morning it's time for you to do that. And you need to come and ask for forgiveness from God, from His family, His church.